0: to create a listener account. And in that listener account, you can save episodes for later listening. So you can create a kind of listening list. We think these features are neat and we think you'll enjoy them. Please visit the site today. Welcome to the New Books Network.
2: Welcome back to the New Books and Indian Religions podcast, a podcast channel here on the New Books Network. I'm your host, Dr. Raj Balkaran. More importantly, I have the pleasure today of speaking with Dr. Lorelai Bernacki, who is Professor of Religious Studies at the University of Colorado Boulder. We will be talking about a fascinating new OUP publication, The Matter of Wonder, Abhinavagupta's Panentheism and the New Materialism. Uh, Lorelai, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, Raj. Good to be
2: here. Yeah, nice to have you on here. And for those of, for those of you listening, Uh, If you notice anything strange or different about my my voice, you know, don't adjust your audio settings. Uh, No, I'm not going through puberty. I'm just a teeny bit under the weather. Um, I did a bit of traveling and exposure to uh, four different airports in a few days has probably left me um, um, different than I was before. (laughs) Um, But I definitely am looking forward to chatting with you about your book. Um, Tell us about the genesis of this project. How did you get interested in this? (sighs)
1: <laughs> well, um, uh, so I've I've always been uh, struck uh, by Abhinavagupta's Abhinav panentheism, I and what I'm trying to do in this book is basically two things. So, uh, reading Abhinavagupta, when you read about Abhinavagupta, what you get is this idea that there's an emphasis, there's a great deal of emphasis in the secondary literature on the transcendent component of his thinking. But I just kept noticing how key it was to have the material side of of the equation for his thinking. Um, so the title of the book, The Matter of Wonder, we think of wonder as a sort of transcendent state, but I Abhinato mean, Gupta makes a rather brilliant move. He connects the state that we think of as beyond the body to a fundamental materiality. Okay. So that's, and that's sort of like, that's just doesn't happen anywhere. So he's, it's really quite brilliant. And ultimately what it serves is it allows him to avoid having a de facto duality. I mean, say, you take Advaita Vedanta, you know, with the idea of Maya, really, it's a duality. I mean, sure, one can say, oh, but the world is an illusion. It's just Anirvatsaniya, indefinable, as Shankara says. But if you look closely, it's really a duality. And So Abhinavagupta and his cohorts, they realized that the weak scene here was this really sort of a de facto duality. And so they basically set out to sort of, uh, solve this particular philosophical problem. And as a result, they offer a different kind of non-duality, one that doesn't leave matter on one side and consciousness or spirit or sentience on the other side. Um, he, so he does this remarkable thing that, and that is, he understands that in order to have a genuine non-duality, matter has to be a part of consciousness. And he links materiality to sentience. Um, I go into uh, great detail on this in chapter four, where I talk about Abhinavagupta's conception of the term Vimarsha. Um so that's one part. Um the other part of it is um like a lot of people this, you know, you know, we're thinking a lot about our environment, you know, the ecology, and um and I've gotten interested in um uh, a certain um a, a certain current of thought called new materialism. Uh, as a way to sort of think about these things. Um and one of the things that I that I noticed when reading a, a lot of contemporary literature in the vein of new materialism is they really um they just they don't really have any clue about uh, about uh, other than uh, thinkers outside of the West uh, outside of a Western parameter. And uh, I mean Amaguchi is actually just really brilliant and quite uh, his his thought and his arguments actually can solve a lot of the problems that a number of of uh, new materialists in Western contemporary thinkers actually have. Um, and so what I another thing I'm trying to do with this book is that I want to reach a wider audience and um, and so I think that I mean uh ideas of new materialism can really help um thinking through a, a contemporary sort of theory around new materialism and um, and I had become. I'd become interested in new materialism, and I've written a, a paper for a volume, uh, a, a, an article for a, a volume on science and religion and new new materialism that came out in 2018, and um, and it was really just apparent to me that Abhig- Navagupta is just really a fantastic resource for these folks. He's entirely neglected, as so many brilliant Asian thinkers are, and so I kind of wanted to remedy this a bit because he can help he can help them think through a lot of these problems. Um, and particularly, um, one of the things that I think mean can really help with is that um, his uh, articulation of panentheism is centered around a foundational subjectivity, a first-person perspective.
2: Um, so a couple themes, a number of themes. Um, one, just say a quick word. I mean, most of our, much of our listenership will no doubt be familiar with uh, figures such as, well, it depends, I suppose, but say a quick word about. You know who he is in this context, and then um, maybe say a, a, a an ancillary word about what's different in this project about how he's particularly received in Western scholarship, which I think is very important. But please go ahead.
1: Yeah, great. Thanks. <laughs> um... Okay so Akbart Gupta is an 11th century uh 10th to 11th century um thinker um he basically uh, he's a philosopher a tantric and um he's most probably he's probably most well known for his work on um uh, uh aesthetic theory throughout India uh, but Beginning about the 1950s, a number of um, scholars started, a particular, beginning with Casey uh, Pandey, started really looking at more deeply at his writing, and he's he's quite important for a lot of um, thinking today. But he's but also um, what's interesting about his, him as a thinker is not only as he is he pretty much on you know read across India through the centuries, but his thinking is just really he's a fantastic writer and his thinking is just really quite uh it's just really quite profound so so he's for these reasons he's really widely revered through he's been widely used and uh quoted through the centuries and he's of, and his writing has also to some degree uh influenced um tantra even in the south as well also so it's um, no, so so you're asking also what is um different about um what uh what i'm doing with i mean I Na mean, this kind of theism is um he has particularly earlier on, he's been read more through the lens of of transcendence. So you know his non-dual duality is understood along the lines of this is a transcendent uh that you can attain through this non-duality. And what I noticed over and over was um how much materiality is important um and how important it is to his thinking and how it is how important it is to his his conception of of uh, non-duality.
2: So, so there so many <laughs> there's so many possible paths forward um, might one think that the emphasis of uh, the emphasis on or at least acceptance of materiality uh, d- 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 loosely prakriti, okay, is that and this is a question right is that not potentially the mark of a, 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 of a tantric uh, figure or thinker versus uh, otherwise would you say?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's this is yeah, good. And um now materiality uh, this is great. He's definitely a tantric thinker with you know like and um that's you know he's he's a tantric thinker. Um and uh, it's not necessarily Prakriti that he's using here. I mean, so you probably, I'm sure you, you already know, you know, the, uh, a lot of tantric cosmology borrows from um, a Sankhya cosmology, but they add an additional 11 categories, okay, above Purusha. And so what they do with these additional categories is they basically, you know, they write in... Um, uh, six categories that have to do with, um, uh, the kinds of things that are actually really somewhat Kantian, this whole notion of like, above the Purusha, there's things like time, there's sort of like neity, which is like this idea of, of it's, it's often translated as fate, but, um, you know, that's probably an odd translation, I think, but, um, it's related to why it is that a seed, uh, a banyan seed, you know, becomes a banyan tree and not an apple tree this sort of thing. So there are these categories, a limited capacity to sort of do things kala. And so there's, so there are these six categories that actually sort of like look like, um, they look almost Kantian structural sort of um, in, things that that shape the parameters of our world um, in, in sort of the seemingly external ways. But for Abhinav Gupta, you know these are and these are not sort of like external categories ultimately. And then above that, he has these other five categories that include, um, uh, which uh, uh, that include sort of ideas of of, of how creation happens vis a vis a kind of initial creativity, which is a pure subjectivity, which then becomes more sort of uh, external, uh, sort of focused on sort of the objective side of reality. So so much of what he's doing here with. Um, with uh materiality is related to this idea of the subject and the object uh, also on a linguistic level but also in this idea of subject object and um the object um become whatever is made into object becomes material now that does another interesting thing for us as well too because um uh when he talks about an objective-oriented stance, it's um, it's things that we in a sort of Western culture wouldn't necessarily think of as matter. Okay, so like for instance, a subtle body. Okay, even you know you know this quite well, but I think uh, you know people who coming from a, a Western philosophical position really wouldn't it's even
2: the, like the, the, the the sukshma in addition to the stula.
1: Yeah, it's Sushman, but and also this idea of like, you know, manas, the mind, for um, you know, for us, even for Sankhya, the manas is always on the side of matter. And so for a Western conception, that they, they, you know, it doesn't quite sort of um that doesn't register. But um, for Sankhya, materiality, what we think of as mind is really a subset of materiality. Um, so uh and and sort of this plays into Abhinabi's thinking and how it's actually sort of Really radical, both for a Western conceptual model, but also um, I think even what I wanted, to, what I'm trying to do with this book is to sort of really point out the material quality. Uh, sorry, the how 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 foundational materiality is to his um, thinking, and it is the case also as well that one of the main critiques that you know they give of of uh, that Abhinava gives of of even Advaita Vedanta is this notion that um, that um, what what Abhinava Gupta's Tantra has to offer is that the world is still real. And you can only do that if you pay attention to what it means to be a world made of matter and real- reality having this other component that allows it to be object- objectified, basically.
2: Could you say a bit more about the soteriological value of um, acknowledging and, uh, and even celebrating the, 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 the reality uh, of materiality?
1: Um, what well, one of the ways it shows up is that, um, is that if you look if you look closely at um, uh, through throughout say Abhinav's writing and also others um, in his school there is this there's this idea that um, the world itself is um, is the body of the divine. Okay. So, you know, and he has a wonderful quote, um, at the beginning of the, of the, of the other Madhita, which is the third, um, section of this. It, so this is some, okay, let me back up a little. Um, most of what I'm doing here is, um, draws, um, it draws, um, I'm, I'd mostly draw from the last thing he wrote, which was the Ishvara Vishnu Vipriti Vimarsini. It was a commentary on a lost commentary of this, um, of a text of Utpaladeva, uh, who was his, uh grand uh teacher, uh, not his direct teacher, but uh before him a, a couple of generations. And um these are the karakas on the recognition of of um recognizing Ishvara, which is basically um recognizing divinity god in uh this is a, this technique. So he wrote these verses and then um uh wrote a commentary, Avi wrote a commentary Utpaladeva also wrote a longer commentary which was lost and Abhinavagupta wrote a commentary on this lost commentary and I'm primarily using Abhinavagupta's commentary on this lost commentary and I'm primarily using um the third book in this collection which is about 100 pages of sanskrit and um it's called the Agamadikara which is basically the um the chapter or book on um on uh on what's been revealed what's come down to us. So Agamas means scripture as well. And in this chapter, Abhinah talks a good bit about um also about the Tattva system as well, which is basically, you know, the elements that make up the world. So you can see there also this idea of 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 the world here as well. And he's got a wonderful quote in the early on um in in this now it's there's a wonderful section where Abhinaba Gupta says basically that um that um if we want to actually understand the self um we shouldn't really listen to folks who say um why waste your time on the materiality of the world what really matters is understanding the self and enlightenment and Abhinava and Abhi Neva says well actually the only way we're going to understand the um the only way we're going to understand the self is through understanding the world Okay, and I've talked about this of early in the book. I sort of make a contrast also between a contemporary a, a modern figure, um, Ramana Maharshi. There's a wonderful quote where he talks specifically about how um, how,, um, you know, we should forget about you know ma- the world and the matter and just concentrate on what all the self. And Abhi, Abhinavagupta takes exactly the opposite approach. He's like, well, what we really need to do is think about um, the world if we want to actually get enlightened and understand the self.
0: slash NBN50 to get 50% off.
2: Yeah, it's you know, I can't help but draw parallels between how radical the Devi Mahatma is among narratives and among sort of theological visions that are sort of hidden, not even hidden, but encoded in narratives. And it's utterly radical where, you know, the the embodiment is not an uh, obstacle or an obfuscation of the divine as an expression of it. uh, And the emphasis on the Every time she emerges, she who's beyond even the great god, she emerges from a body. I mean, the 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 narrative motif is. I mean, it's very clear that they're not just talking about a divinity who happens to be feminine. They're talking about a very. They're talking about the divinization of 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 procrety, of imminence, of, of 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 embodiment. And and although that text, to the best of our knowledge, would have been some centuries, a, a good five centuries before his time. Nevertheless, we see that in the face of sort of what we think of as classical Upanishadic Hinduism, it's still an extraordinarily radical and compelling idea that that, that that matter is sacred in some sense.
1: Yeah, no, this is this is yeah, this is right. Yeah. It's 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 and it's 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 an idea that you I think you do find particularly throughout Tantra. You know, this idea that um materiality its imminence is is the divinity is imminent in materiality. Yes. Yeah, so and yeah, and Abhinavagupta, what I like about what the way he does this is, he does it in a way that's actually sort of really philosophically um, robust, and so, uh, and that's I think one of the things he has to offer, um, particularly for um, thinkers in the West trying to sort of work through how do you sort of get to understand how do you get to a materiality, how do you how do you, for new materialism, how do you sort of um, how do you sort of uh, make matter important. Uh, you know, because our world today, you know, matter is just a thing. And because it's a thing, you can sort of pretty much, you know, do whatever you want with it, because it doesn't have any sort of, um, it doesn't have sentience, it doesn't have any sort of value, because it's just stuff that we can sort of control. Um, And so, I mean, another thing that I try to do with the book that um, the book is, um, I do, I do, the book has quite a lot of uh, footnotes. Okay, and the footnotes are Um, uh, I have a lot, there's a lot of Sanskrit and Sanskrit footnotes, uh, because I'm drawing from this text that hasn't yet been uh, translated. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of footnotes in the book. It's at least a third of the book are just sort of Sanskrit um, footnotes. But I also sort of try to sort of lead those, not necessarily text, because I am trying to reach a wider audience. And I do also I frame each of the chapters of the book with a contemporary theme. You know, so for the first chapter I talk about the idea of um viruses as a way of thinking about the boundaries between what's living and what's not living. You know, you can see how this gets to the idea of matter. And so and then with that I then sort of get into sort of I mean a basic idea of what's avinava's perspective on the on the on the break on the, on the on the breaking point between that which is living and that which is not um and that which is just straight matter. Um, for the second chapter, I talk about uh, you know, a contemporary neuroscience that tells us that really, um consciousness, you know, is something that our brains hallucinate. I use a a, a contemporary science, uh neuroscientist Anil Seth to sort of frame this idea to to think about, you know, what is wonder and how does how does the um how does the mind relate to the brain in this sense? These are frames which allow me to sort of then get into sort of Ivan mean, Abugupta's own thought um in the third chapter i talk about um a little more biology um uh i thought this was really interesting I, you may you may have already known this but uh um darwin actually lost his faith because um he came across a um, parasitic wasp um inside the caterpillar and basically the parasitic wasp you know burrows its way inside of a caterpillar and sort of basically explodes the caterpillar from the inside, which is kind of like, you know, the movie Alien, this kind of thing. And so it, for Darwin, it was like really sort of like um, it was devastating. I mean, he also lost his faith around you know his own, you know, deaths in his family. But um, he talks about this particular um, sort of insight around the parasitic wasp inside a caterpillar as like this sort of, you know, appalling, uh, you know, reality that makes it that he can't believe in a God a god that would actually sort of, you know, make a creature that would do this sort of horrific thing. Okay. And so, so I talk about this, you know, what is this about? Well, this is also very much about um, uh, who owns the body. You know, is it actually sort of like, you know, we have this idea that our bodies are inviolable inviolable, and they belong to us. And um, and so from this, I sort of use this to talk about the ideas of like, you know, tantric ideas, abhinavagupta's ideas in, in, as well of the subtle body. And that, um, you know, as you know quite well, so the subtle body and tantric and many tantric sources, and there are these wonderful pictures you can see even now of like the yogi who's got all these gods in various places places in the body. And you know, I mean Avagupta also has a lot of these came out as well too. Um, Vishnu is in the throat, uh, Brahma is in the heart. Um so different so gods make up the body. So there's so um uh, with this just a sort of a way to sort of rethink the idea of of um agency and the body vis a vis the subtle body. And so and so and as a contrast as well. Western ideas also, but but most I Abhinavagupta's mean, idea and tantric ideas of what's the body, what's the subtle body, and uh, who is the agent within this? Um, uh, the fourth chapter, I also uh, I framed that one with around the idea of of um, computer sentience and artificial intelligence, uh, and this goes this harkens back to the first chapter. This is to get a sense of like how is it that we distinguish between that which is sentient. And that which is not sentient. And so um and in it's this is coming to the fore in a big way, um uh right now. And I, um and so I use mean Avagupta's ideas of sentience to sort of uh to sort of, you know, to parse out this issue and try to understand um what's you know, how how can we sort of make sense of that? Um and then the last chapter uh I which is really which is all about mean Avagupta's cosmology, the Takta the system, the system of, you know, what makes up the universe for that I come back to the frame of uh Darwin's loss of his faith um over this parasitic uh, uh wasp and um t- and to sort of bring it back to how newer biology suggests that plants actually communicate with these wasps to ensure their own survival against these invading caterpillars <laughs> so plants actually send out pheromones which um which cause the um wasps to then uh to then sort of um be attracted to come to the plants and then they, you know, lay their eggs inside and bury them inside the, uh, inside the caterpillars. So, you know, so our biology is much richer and more fascinating and, and uh, and i also have this big interest in this, the science, science side of things. And, um, but, um, what I think, and so I used to start about, I mean, now there's it ideas of, tos- of, of the, co- of cosmology and the Tapa system and how these can help us think about our own world.
2: What do you most hope folks would take away from this
1: book? Well, I, I I, what I most hope is that folks will sort of um, appreciate uh, 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 well, two things. You know, I hope that folks will appreciate the sort of um, the the how how foundationally material materi- materially oriented. I mean, I would thinking is, and that it is in fact uh, a, a wonderful resource um, for us today um, as a result, and that his panentheism is um, is a uh, it's 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 um brilliantly configured um um in 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 a way to sort of help us um think about um the nature of subjectivity and objectivity I, um so that's one i i also hope um i'll have a wider readership people interested in sort of contemporary issues around matter materiality um, and also uh, the other thing i i would really like to have this book sort of do is sort of um really bring to the fore this conversation around the idea of of subjectivity and um because again most of our thinking today is is entirely oriented towards a third- person perspective our science as well also it's completely oriented towards a third person perspective and I know the Dalai Lama has been trying to sort of you know make a, a case for um uh, a first person science and I think that um I mean Emma Gupta's, uh, use of subjectivity is actually a wonderful entree into sort of really thinking about how we can have a, a you know, uh, understand sort of, a sort of, um, way of thinking about material in a, in a rigorous way that, that actually still draws on a first-person perspective. And so abhinavagupta's this idea of ahanta, um, is really a sort of, um, wonderful way to think about this. Um, so I'm hoping people will sort of think about that as well. Also, there there's been some recent research around um, a first-person perspective. Um, Lynn Rudder Baker, who um, I've I, I used her in the book as well. Also, so contemporary Western thinkers trying to sort of figure out, you know, how do we get around these ideas? Is you know, what is is the only way you can think about science or even philosophy um, in a rigorous way? Is it really confined simply only to a third-person perspective? So, um, so I, I talk. Uh, I, I, That's the other thing I would like people to, as well, take away from the book.
2: Is this work that you're continuing? What's What's next for you?
1: <laughs> um, yes, uh, part of what I'm working on right now. <laughs> I have um, now. None of this really appears in the book. I think I make a couple of reference to it, to, references to it, as but that's about it. But because um, I didn't want to sort of make the book to and the book is already sort of trying to bring together sort of disparate fields. You know, I'm talking about never a new materialism and I'm also talking about Abhinamakupta's panentheism and, you know, his his ideas of Ahanta subjectivity, his ideas of Chamatkara and Wonder. And um and so I didn't want to sort of uh, make it even more complicated. So but I have um done work on um I've done work on um uh, a, co- a contemporary um, neuroscientific theory called Integrated Information Theory. So I have uh, one article out um, and another article um, is going to get published this this year. Another is a, a chapter in a book on penintiso. And I was actually surprised. This, the, so these are neuroscientists. Uh, the, it's, it's the one of the main propon- uh, people who are working on this theory is this guy named Giulio Tononi. He's an Italian neuroscientist. I think he's a... Um, Wisconsin, maybe, and um, so I it, I read a paper which was a critique of um, this theory, basically saying, um, "Look, you guys are really um, talking about a first person perspective in your science, and you just should just fess up and sort of acknowledge that because it'll make your thinking a lot more solid." And then I was surprised within about two years, they could they really they really changed the way they were presenting the theory and had moved away from the sort of, you know, tiptoeing around the idea of subjectivity and came right out and said, this is about subjectivity. And about that same time, I... um uh i started getting um emails from this journal which i really like a science journal called entropy which is um uh, a journal that's you know it's it's just a really cutting-edge science journal and i like them because they also will include sort of um more theoretical humanist type sort of articles and they kept they send me three different requests to sort of participate in a um in a in a in a joint in an issue on integrated information theory iit 3.0 um the first Two, I was a little too busy trying to finish this book, and and the third one I said yes, and then halfway through realized that uh, they told they sent us an email saying, "Hey, we're you know we have good news. Um, you know the publication fees are only going to be we're going to get a discount on them. They're only going to be like fifteen hundred bucks." And I was like, "Okay, that's it. That's my entire research budget for the university." So uh, in any case, um, uh, but I do think that. Um, in, I do think is uh, so. That's what I'm working on in the future, and, and um uh, and I uh, and I am bringing to into that a little bit as well, also. And again, I think that you know this is a Western science, Western neuroscience really can get a lot from the way that Abhinavagupta thinks about these things as well. So that's where I'm that's where I'm working on on further. So I've got uh I have two things out. Uh, one's about to come out. One's already was published earlier, and I'm working on a third one as well. on this related to um, ca- uh, mental causality and Abhinav Gupta's ideas of how does the mind cause something.
2: Fascinating. Well, perhaps we'll have the chance to discover, to uh, discuss some of your future works. Um, thanks for appearing on the podcast today.
1: Yeah, thanks, Raj. Yeah.
2: For those listening, we've of course been speaking with Dr. Lorelei Bronaki on The Matter of Wonder, um, Abhinav Gupta's panentheism, and new materialism. Uh, Keep well, keep listening, uh, keep reading, and keep contemplating the interplay between imminence and transcendence. Take care.